Hey guys, welcome to Plush Talk, where we keep it real. Our mission is to bring the grooming industry alongside the community together by educating. We want to bring everyone together for the dogs. After all, that's why we're here. Today, our topic is unrealistic expectations of the grooming salon this is episode two and we are super excited as we have two guest stars today and i'm going to just start by introducing um our first guest star our first guest star has been grooming dogs for five years 20 years in cat grooming that's a long time um in anything she has four pets we have Chance, an Australian Shepherd, Kingston, a miniature poodle, Hoku, a Persian, and Mango, a leopard gecko. Um, I'll let her tell her story a little bit um, about kind of where she started. So I will introduce you now, Sophia Staples. Hello. Hey. So. Why don't you tell us how you started? I believe you said something about you started out as a bather. I did. Uh, I moved to Virginia and kind of had a career change and decided I wanted. Um, so I started as a bather and worked up from there and I'm grooming full time now for cool. the last five years. Awesome. So you were self-taught or were you taught by someone? Yes. I was self-taught. Um, I had some mentorship in the first place as a bather, but most of it was me going out and seeking education um, on my own. Okay. And I believe you were working towards your National Certified Master Grooming um, certification. I am. <laughs> I am super nervous about it. <laughs> oh, you'll you'll be able to do it. Don't worry. I mean, right. <laughs> I mean any testing is kind of nerve-wracking, of course especially because we put a lot of pressure on mm -hmm. ourselves and we want to be the best we can be. So I get it. Um, I do know that you bred and showed Persians and exotic cats since 2000. And you even showed a Sphinx to kitten of the year. That is amazing. Yes, I did. That is freaking amazing. Yeah. I love Sphinx. If anybody doesn't know what a Sphinx is, it is a naked cat, right? Is that like too um, ignorant to say? <laughs> she, well, no, I mean, it's a, she's a, a hairless cat or Sphinx are a hairless cat. Um, and I was originally brought on just as a handler, but totally fell head over heels in love with the breed. And they're great, great animals. Cool. Cool. So I do have my, uh, co-host Ramil here. Of course, don't even think I forgot to do the show without Ramil. Ramil is going to introduce our, our second guest star. Um, and I'll hand it over to you, Ramil. What's going on, everybody? How are you doing today? <laughs> All right. Our second guest has been grooming professionally for over 11 years, and she owns her own mobile grooming business for eight and a half years. She's certified in non-sporting, and she's also working on her NCMG. Oh, nice. So she's certified um, 
in non-sporting through National Dog Groomers Association of America. So that's that's already one test down to her master certification. That's great. So, um, she has three dogs: a Pomeranian, an Akita Husky mix, and a Pitbull boxer. And her name is Erin Burner. Woo! All right, Erin. Hello. <laughs> How are you? Good. How are you guys? We're great. Happy to be here, of course. I am. That's for sure. Always a pleasure. <laughs> so, Erin, um, were you self-taught or did you uh, learn from someone? No, I learned from someone. Um, I started out as a bather. Uh, and I worked in the salon for about six months. Um, and then the owner, uh, asked me if I wanted to learn how to groom. So she taught me, um, and then she had actually like her own sort of certification. Um, I know there's nothing official, um, but she had like a testing road out and, and almost basically like the same, um, sort of format as National Dog Groomers Association where you do uh, a practical test and you do a written test. So I did six practical tests and I did four written tests for her and she gave me her own little certificate that I was certified through her salon. Um, cool. And she also bred and showed um, all sizes of standard poodles. She also showed Pomeranians and Pekingese. So I had a lot of uh, hands-on training with uh, non-sporting breeds. <laughs> That's awesome. And that's the first one you tackled. So cool. You use that to yeah, your advantage. Everybody told me that was the hardest one. So I was like, we're just going to get that one out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I am so happy you guys have joined us. I am excited about this topic. Um, I think a lot of groomers can relate to this. And it's going to be interesting. That's for sure. Um, so let's start out. Um, we'll start out with what I think I'm most um, geared out about it is bringing an overdue dog in and having you know unrealistic expectations with bringing in that dog um, a lot of things like you know how long that's going to take how much effort that's going to take uh, you know you get a dog in and let's say like it's been it's not been in in four months that's four months of work in one day. That's not even eight hours. We have other dogs to do. That is in a couple of hours hands-on. And um, that's, that's unrealistic for anyone. Anyone. It's, it's unfair to the dog. It's unfair to the groomers. It's unfair to the entire, you know, let's talk about grooming assistants who do a lot of that footwork for us. Um, it's unrealistic for everybody. Um, and I think that most people don't really care. They, they think, hey, I'm bringing the dog in and, you know, it's been, th you know, four months and that's fine enough. I'm getting my dog groomed. But it's not fair to anyone, anyone involved. And on top of that, the amount of work we have to put in, we're talking about labor, electricity, water, products, and then the time spent with this dog who's not real, like, this dog is not used to regular grooming. So then we have to work even harder to make them more comfortable because it's not its not part of their life. Uh, there's a lot more that goes into it than that, um, but it's really unfair. It's unfair to everyone, and I don't think that the clients want to pay extra for the amount of effort and work and product and things that we have to cover as a business on top of that. They just want to pay the same price they would pay coming in at four weeks or five weeks, which is totally unfair to everybody, even other clients who come in on a regular schedule. So we talk about cost, time, um, 
you know, how this is detrimental to the dog and everyone involved. So what do you guys have to take? Um, Sophia, tell me what your thoughts are. Well, especially, you know, I started out in a brick and mortar, but now that we're in mobile, um, I do think that it's, I have been become a lot more aware of how much time I can spend on a dog. Um, and so I've been a lot stricter with my clients as far as what I will do for them, particularly between like, depending on how long it's been since they've been groomed. If they're overdue, I just kind of, um, have to put my foot down and be like, listen, we have to, we have to do this shorter today. Unfortunately. Um, it's just not how it's going to go. I, and you know, people will, they'll beg, they'll, they'll be, you know, I have money, I'll pay you whatever to demat the dog, but I'm not willing to put the dog or myself through that. So I think the, that expectation just has to be tackled as soon as you meet the dog, meet, meet the, the client, like right up front. Right. And I think it, that, that also breeds another problem, you know, and lack of com- communication on both ends. I think that when we have to take a dog down and start over, if you will, and we use that term start over, meaning we're going to take the dog short because we have to. It's what's most, um, what, you know, it's what's going to work for today, um, especially when we get and I'll take this into the side note here. When we group, when we have a schedule, we don't necessarily know the condition of the dog if it's a new client coming in. We have no idea. We have a set a lot of time aside, but we really have no idea the condition of that dog. So it's hard because then that sets the entire schedule behind because now maybe you're having to do extra work and it sets the whole salon behind other dogs so forth and so on so we don't necessarily always know that that's coming in but back to what I was going to say is it breeds a whole nother problem because we take the dog down short and they get the dog back and now they think okay well he's really short and I hate this so I'm gonna wait three more months until it actually has hair until until the dog actually has hair and then I'll go back to the groomer and I'll complain oh my gosh, last time you shaved them down or I went somewhere else and they shaved him down. But then we're back at three months of work again. That is not realistic. That just is completely detrimental to everyone involved. You know, the dog needs to be groomed on a regular schedule, whether it has no, like little hair or a lot of hair. It just, the hair, the the amount of hair determines how often we should be doing that. You know what I mean? So if, if they have lots of hair, we might have to schedule them more frequently. And also the lifestyle of that dog matters and the lifestyle of the, the clients, it matters because they have schedules as well. So I think that that's something we have to talk about with the clients. You know, you guys as clients, you know, we try to, we try our best to explain where we're coming from. And I do think sometimes it's hard to understand where we're coming from, but if your dog is not used to being groomed, whether it has, you know, been shaved three months ago and then you bring it in and it has this hair and you think now we can do something with it, that's not always the case, you know, um, especially based off of behavior. If the dog is not used to being groomed on a regular schedule and it's only used to being taken down and then feeling kind of funny because it's naked, they have that relation to grooming now. So there's a lot that goes into that. Um, Aaron, what what's your take on, you know, bringing an overdue dog in? I know both of you guys are mobile groomers, so it's a bit different because you have people on a tight schedule because that's just what's mandatory. Um, I know, Sophia, you're kind of building up that clientele to get on that, uh, you know, type of schedule. But Aaron, you already have a, 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 
a clientele that is pretty much booked out for the year that is on a schedule. So what's your take about the overdue dogs? Um, I always try to explain to people that the, the one thing that's the most important um, for dogs to come in on a regular schedule is because the way they process time. Um, so because they live such a shorter amount of time than we do as humans, um, you know, two months to a dog could be, you know, six months to a year for a person. So imagine if you only went to get your own haircut, you know, every six months to a year and you didn't wash in between and you didn't brush it in between, like even, you know, eight weeks to us doesn't sound like such a huge amount of time, but to a dog that, you know, was only used to going and then it's noisy and scary and there's all these smells and they don't know what's going on, you know, even just you looking at the dog and you're like, well, he doesn't really need a haircut right now. You can probably go another week or two. Well, that's another month or two to a dog in dog time. Um, so getting them on a four to six week schedule really sets them up to know that this is going to be a part of their life. You know, a dog is a commitment, you know, from a puppy to 15 years. I've had some clients whose dogs have lived 20, 22 years, um, which is a really long time, but their dog has to be groomed for its entire life. So even starting a dog out, you know, at six months, eight months, a year old is really, you know, you're basically throwing them into a situation where they're like, oh God, you know, mom left me here. I don't know these people. I don't know what these sounds are. Now you're, you're putting buzzy stuff around my face and around my feet and I just don't know what's happening. And it just, it scares them. So the best thing to do is to start that dog out as, you know, I always recommend between eight and 12 weeks old, um, taking the dog in just so they can kind of hang out in the salon, even if it only gets its nails cut, you know, so they can kind of hear what's going on and they can see that, you know, it's not a scary thing. The same thing like with kids, you know, you go and, and when kids start preschool or kindergarten, you kind of go for like an introduction day. And that way the kids know, okay, hey, we're coming in and this is where you're going to be spending your days, but it's not scary, you know? Right. So that's my biggest thing. Yeah. And you know, a dog that only goes, you know, twice a year, it's scary. Every time they go, it's scary. And then people are like, why only take him, you know, every couple of months because he just hates it. Well, well, that's more detrimental. You're setting him up for failure. Exactly. Yep. It's true. The more that the the more that we think, oh, this I don't want to do this to him because it's the bad groomer and they don't like it. This is this is com- this can be completely avoided with regular grooming. Um, it, it we could go on and on about this. I really think so. Ramil, do you have any opinions or takes on this? Uh, <clears throat> I mean, to the point of it being scary for the dog, if they only come two to three or four times a year like Aaron was saying their whole memory process of the experience is negative it's mm-hmm. negative it's negative and then the client sees that and when they come in to the client it's a negative experience and they transfer that energy to the dog and then the dog is looking like hey this is real this is this is all bad and it's harder to get the dog out of that right because the owner is the leader and the dogs base off everything from their leaders um, because they're pack animals. So, of course, if their owner is really nervous about the situation, they're going to be nervous. That's a whole other topic for sure. Um, I just think that, you know, knowing that we have to work extra hard for these dogs, for their emotional state, alongside with the actual, pra- you know, the, the practical part of it, of making them feel good and look good, 
um, you know, we could talk about a haircut versus a D-shed dog. So let's take um, a haircut, you know, client versus a Golden Retriever or a Bernice Mountain Dog or an Akita or a Husky. Those dogs are double-coated breeds, and those dogs don't typically get haircuts. They shouldn't. That's another topic for another time. But um, they, they get D-shed. And so if they come in and it's been four months, let's talk about it. A D-shed client... Okay, these double coated breeds, they go through a life cycle in their hair. Their hair basically goes through the life cycle. And that life cycle is every three weeks. So you have all of these hairs growing in underneath, and they're in each part of the skin. And then we see what's on the outside, which is the, the live hair or the dead hair falling off into our house or in our car, whatever. And so what happens is that hair is falling off, it's dying, it's falling off, new hair is growing in. So they go through that cycle every three weeks. So can you imagine every three weeks they're dropping coat, creating new coat, but then you've waited three, four months to get them groomed or even longer. It's a lot of work. Even eight weeks is a lot of work because you're talking about <clears throat> three, six, eight. You're talking about three life, you know, three cycles of that life um, for the hair and then we're doing that much work because that coat does, it does fall out in your house, but a lot of it stays in the coat and that's what we call packed coat. And that's where a professional groomer will come in and we'll be able to get out that coat for you. And it's like, I know our standards are, we want you to recognize when they go home that they're shedding less for that three week amount of time. And so if we get a dog that's been in three months or, you know, hasn't been in for three months or more it's really hard to show you how good we can make this work and make your dog feel because that's that's unrealistic to expect us to be able to get out that much hair in one visit it it just is it's not realistic at all um and, and so then we talk about a haircut dog so we have a shih tzu maybe or uh you know w give me another one <laughs> <laughs> There's plenty of dogs we see. Cockapoo. A you know, <laughs> These dogs get haircuts. And so, you know, their hair is different as it can mat, it can tangle, and then, you know, the dirt on top of all, of all of the breeds, all of the dogs. But that hair is different because it needs to be brushed and combed through and blown out properly. And so if that's not able to be done, you know, on a regular schedule, it creates more work more work all the way around so let's well, say the dog the, what what's that i'm sorry i about the uh i just wanted to speak a little bit on the 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 d sheds um yes you have other, uh, you have an australian shepherd so you know yeah. about d -shed, like, like you own one so you have right. both experiences being a client and being the the professional groomer right and part of it is that what i have a hard time even struggling with the company that i work for is that um you know, it a double coated dog, whether it's an Australian Shepherd, whether it's a Husky, it, it's not just a bath. Like when Never. a client calls, like, oh, they just really need a bath. It, it 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 is much more involved in that, and not to mention the fact that we don't want the dog to be uncomfortable. We don't want to rip and tear up our bodies and destroy our equipment because people don't feel like that they Facts. need more than just a bath. Um, the the other part of it is it's detrimental to their skin and their and their hair texture when you're ripping and having a demat and deep and pull out coat, you know, it's not, it's now in a repair state of mind, you know, right. Right. It, it's not in a constant grow. You're so, putting stress on that, on that skin right. and the follicle, the skin, the coat. Right. So it, 
it's not even just the oh well they just need a bath you're going to continually have a problem if you go to someone who is not a professional and just bathes a double-coated dog and lets them leave and doesn't do the proper de-shed and still charge for it yes like we can mention some places you will take your dog and you as the client might say i just need a bath and they can say okay no problem they do a bath they put the dog in a in a kennel um they let it fan dry they may run a little brush over it maybe and then they'll send it home okay so here's the thing between the bath if it's done properly we're not just spraying water and putting shampoo on your dog we are thoroughly a true professional i want to say that (laughs) because not all groomers are created equal. A true professional is going to get down into the skin with the right products. We want to treat the skin. We want to treat it in, in, we want it to be, we want to get all of that hair out. So we're doing it between, we're using the products and our techniques in the tub. Maybe before the tub, we might, we might be able to brush some hair out. Um, then we go from the tub to the dryer. The dryer also helps us as a tool to get out coat if we know the technique with the tool. Okay, so then we're, we're able to, to, to basically force, force shed this coat out of the dog's skin or hair follicle. So, and we're also separating, you know, we're able to free the skin so the skin can breathe and, and it's not packed and leaving wet or damp where you can't feel it because it's packed still and there's wet packed coat sitting on the skin which breeds bacteria and so on and so forth so it is not just a bath never will be um and and you know i do i do have clients who will ask hey you know they know we have um our d shed clients they say you know every now and again can we just come in for a bath because he got dirty or whatever the case may be but really there i can't morally and ethically just do a bath because that would mean that i would surface clean the dog blow dry it um sorta right i don't know and then let it fan dry maybe i don't know because that's not okay with me i cannot sleep at night you know, sending a dog out like that. That's just not okay. And in order to do it properly, I have to do a full de-shed. So that means a full groom price. So I'm sure you will always find someone, you know, less expensive, cheaper, whatever the case may be. But remember when choosing that groomer, what it is you're actually getting. So, you know, that goes hand in hand, right? So I don't know. I don't know, guys. I know we're pretty serious about this right now because it's like, <laughs> you know, we're, we're, we're really in so tune with this. Serious. Yeah, we're like, oh, my God, this is so detrimental to the dogs. You know, like this is we feel for these dogs. They are our clients. We right. create this relationship with these dogs just just as much. I mean, we're not their owners, but come on. We I feel sometimes I, I feel this might be terrible to say, but sometimes I feel like I care more. You know, and and I think it's just lack of knowledge. That's what it comes down to. Because I think if the client has the knowledge and they understand, not everyone is the same, but if they have the knowledge and they understand, then they can be that great client and kind of see where we're coming from. But we build these relationships with these dogs, and we hate to see it. You know, we had a nail, we had a whole, uh, like a a full D-shed yesterday, right? And this dog came in and... um, the nails i don't know it's maybe six to eight months since i've done the nails these nails i get like anxiety talking about if you can hear me breathing like 
The nails were so long, they were pointing left and right. I did take pictures. They are on our um, business page, Instagram, Plush by Sarah. But, you know, they're, they're, the nails are flat and turning left and right. And I can see this dog has paw deformity now. And there's not much that you can do about that at this point. But we can no, create comfort. No. So the feet are splayed out. And what splayed means is, you know, um, if you put your hand on a table and you spread your fingers all the way out, that's like splayed. So, you know, a foot should really be more, not all feet are cat-like, but they should be more together and kind of up on their paw pad. Well, uh, not all breeds. Mentioned... <laughs> go ahead. Sorry, go ahead, Erin. <laughs> no, go ahead. It was me. <laughs> oh, okay. I mean, it's... It also to speak to like not just dogs but cats I can't tell you how many times I've had people say hey I need your advice the cat won't use the litter box um it will go anywhere else you know just even in his own bedding because you know for whatever reason they can't figure out and then I get the cat on the table and the toenails are like grown into the toe pads oh my god that's the reason that the cat's not using the litter box is because that gravel or that litter that you're using is now uber painful because it's paws are infected oh and, yeah. and, and in pain because they just they oh i didn't and i clip the nails i clean it up after a period the cat goes back to using the litter box i mean it's detrimental even to to cats as well um i don't know about bone breakage but even as far as because they don't they won't really grow sideways they'll grow into the paw pad right can you imagine yeah needles like sticking? that just keeps growing in a circle yep right it's like needles going into your 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 hand slowly daggering your your hand yes or or your feet because humans walk on their feet you know right we don't walk on our hands (laughs) yeah that's so and that's exactly the thing with nail trimming you know guys if you didn't know nail trimming should be done at least at minimum every four weeks and that can change based on the dog's genetics some dogs grow super fast i can do dogs nails every two weeks sometimes and it's like they grow like they haven't been done in four weeks so it's it really is based off Mm -hmm. genetics but at minimum you guys should be going to the groomer to have them professionally done if you're not happy with the length then maybe there's a discussion needed to be had why is it that they can't go any shorter your groomer should be able to talk to you about nails and how the vein grows out and so forth and so on but Maybe find someone else then if you're not happy after the conversation, um, you know, and trying to rectify the situation. But, yeah, you guys, it is painful. These, You know, this dog left. I was able to push back the vein very, very well. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, but I'm, let, me, let me talk about nails really quick. Whenever I talk to clients, and this is a message to you clients and groomers, if you're listening, you know, maybe this will help your clients understand as well. But when I explain nail trimming and that it should be done four weeks or less, um, and it's based off of the dog at hand, you know, some dogs walk on pavement, so it's not as needed, you know, um, and so forth and so on. But what happens is if we let this nail grow and it's been, you know, four let's say it's been two months or more and the nail has grown and grown and grown that vein that's in that nail grows with the nail okay so when you go into the groomer now the groomer is looking at the nail and they can only take off so much because now the vein has grown out with the nail so Uh what we do at plush is we say hey listen we push back the nail as far as possible you know because some dogs will their nails will respond really nicely and I'm happy with it and I'm able to get them where I like them off of one visit that's just the way the cookie crumbles and sometimes the nails don't respond the way that I would like them to so then I say hey listen in two weeks come back 
in that two-week period of time, that vein will have retracted back a bit, and we can get more off and push the vein back some more. Because every time we're trimming the nail, we're able to push the vein back, which is shortening the nail length overall in the grand scheme of things. So sometimes, you know, it takes two times at coming twice a week. Whatever it takes, we do it. And they come back two weeks, we take off more, and we get them to a length that we like. And then we can get back to our four-week schedule. And so this is something that, you know, the conversation should be had because we do the nails. It's not the groomer's fault that we can't get a lot of the length off because we've you guys have let the, you guys as in the clients, have let the nails grow so long that the vein has grown. And you as clients don't understand that, you know. I understand that as well. You don't really know. No one tells you, hey, guys, you know, unless somebody you know is well-educated or is a professional and is willing to educate you. So if if groomers can work with the clients and explain, hey, you know what, this is how it is, this is how we will work together, and we'll get it done. And if the client doesn't want to go along with that, then that's neither here nor there. You do the best you can. But I just wanted to give that little tidbit out on nails because nails are so important because if you don't get them done, okay, on a regular schedule, they can get they can get joint deformity. Um, they can get tiny toe fractures that are irreversible. So, you know, that's very painful. It's very painful. I, I just, I don't understand why anyone would want that to happen to their dog. So if nothing else, you can't afford a full grooming every four weeks. If nothing else, go get the nails done. It's the least expensive um, thing that can be done. We had this conversation, I believe, Aaron, you and I had this conversation, and you told me that. That's the yeah. least expensive thing that can be done. The least expensive profession service you can have done to your dog if you can't do it yourself or you don't feel comfortable doing it yourself you can find you can go to your vet's office and have it done um you can go to you know a petco or a pet smart and usually they take walk-in nail trims you you know usually call ahead of time and find out but a lot of places can usually get you in either in the next day or two just Correct. to do a nail trim yes yes so that's that was a good conversation on um overdue you know overdue dogs nails Ramil, did you have anything to add before we go to the next topic also for the nails it's very important to bring your dog as much as possible because nail trims for a lot of dogs is the scariest thing ever it is and if they're not getting it done regularly it's always going to be a thing they fear right i agree especially if um you know the clipping the getting on the table can be nervous it, it almost feels like my god what is happening you know and and so it's definitely something that should be regular for sure if nothing else okay. you know if you think you can and there's give a your... lot of mobiles that um that say they that it's not worth it to stop and do a nail trim um and i price it so it's worth it but i have a few clients i mean where i live is is uh it's a pretty widespread income area where everywhere from resort on one side of the county to very rural uh, farm communities on the other and some people you know will just rather groom their dogs at home but they're not comfortable with doing the nails or trimming the feet so I offer that service so I will come to the house you know just to do nails and there might be other mobiles that'll do that you know especially for older dogs that don't travel very well you know maybe you can get your dog in the tub and wash it yourself but you're just not comfortable cutting their nails so you can probably find somebody who can come to the house too to do that right right and mobile is a luxury service so don't be alarmed if that price is high it is totally mm -hmm. worth 
um, them coming out if you have an older dog or a senior, you know, disabled or nervous dog that just can't get in the car and go somewhere, or if it's too much for you to get the dog in the car and go somewhere. Um, try to reach out. Don't, you know, try to do the best you can. Um, that's all we can do in this world is everyone just do the best they can. So that was great. Um, does anybody else have anything to add over over on uh, overdue dogs and the expectations that people have for overdue dogs? No, I mean, I would say maybe a little bit speaking to my other set of experience with cats is that, um, you know, a lot of times the people, they wait until the cat can't move. It's completely pelted and mm -hmm. they just are forced to do a line cut and they're like, oh, well, he hates it. That's fine. I only do it so often. But it's the same thing as the dogs is you get them in and get them regular and get them used to it. It's not going to be this horrendous, horrific thing for them. And they don't have to have a line cut every time they come in. Right, yeah, right. that's something with this area, that especially with cats. People are like, oh, cats clean themselves. So it's, yeah, it's, I cat, hate, I cat hate grooming is basically that. an uphill battle in this area. So we're, we're working yeah. on that. <laughs> that that phrase in and of itself drives me absolutely crazy. Yeah, and I'm like, and no, like, do you clean oh. yourself with saliva? Because that's not how you get clean. Well, not only that, it's like, oh, the only time they need groomed is when they're sick or they're getting old and can't clean themselves. Nope. Like, no, not true not factual but well let's touch yeah. on that for for clients who think that let's debunk the whatever the false fact of class cats clean themselves you guys touch right. on that for a few minutes i mean sophia well, you okay. start with that i mean the, the fact is that you know in truth a short-haired cat or a medium-haired cat mainly takes care of themselves but a lot of the cats that i see anyway a lot of them are persians this is pretty much a man-made breed that's not meant to take care of itself outside of outside of being groomed in the home you know it's it it can take you know a certain amount of care but there is a max capacity of you know how much it can do on its own it is a maintenance breed just like a poodle is mm -hmm. um and you know the people generally get freaked out about combing or brushing their cats at home because generally speaking a cat's a little bit more prickly if they've not had the experience or came from a breeder that that worked with them a lot as kittens um so yeah they're gonna be upset about you combing out mats in their armpit and in between their legs and their genital area um and that's where it usually starts and then ends up getting matted all over and then we have to shave them and the people are upset because you had to shave their cat but right. in reality we have to be proactive we have to be proactive with our cats but we also have to understand that even in that shave down situation, it is a much more dangerous and not dangerous, I guess is it's you're, you're much more liable, likely to nick a cat, cut them, you know, because now you're pulling and stretching and having to manipulate the skin in such a way, you know, where you can't see how much of it is tied up underneath the mat. Right. And this is the same with dogs. Right. Our blade is what determines you know how short and that it goes to the skin we can't we don't well, make think, this up <laughs> well right and the difference being that like you know a tiny little nick on a cat because of the nature of their skin oh yeah is a full-blown six inch cut yeah. oh yeah this know, is why i don't second. do cats yeah cat right. skin is like paper and then they're even the way their skin attaches to their muscle underneath yep is mm -hmm. different than it is on a dog. So even right. if you could just pull the skin a little bit tight on a dog to kind of maybe get a little bit of a mat out, if you do that on a cat, you will slice it open like yep. butter. Ugh. Like it cut Guys, right open. 
I'm getting anxiety. So it's, it's Stop. Awful. And that's why a lot of people are like, I don't understand. You know, I you have I'm giving you a 10 pound cat and it costs this much money to groom. And yep. it's like, well, it, it's a hazard, you know, well, and they have dirt claws and teeth on the other end of that that are not happy about what you're doing. <laughs> really, let's be really honest. You know, not only is it a hard, it's a much harder, in my opinion, I have more experience there. It is much harder thing to do in shaving an angry cat or an upset cat mm-hmm. than than shaving down a dog in most situations. Now, I will also say if you take all of that into consideration, the health and the happiness of the cat, at the end of the day, if you get bit by a cat, you could be down permanently or be down for a lot longer. Than Let's you would say be that again. By- you could be down permanently. Yeah, you can have a career-ending bite from a cat much easier than you could from a dog. That's why I don't. Right. I, there's this is more than one reason why I don't do cats. <laughs> well, and that's why I don't think people who are not properly trained um, should do them. Period. Okay, so wait, wait. Ramil, you are you wondering why it's life like career-ending or yeah. even life-threatening to get a, a bite from a cat? How does a cat take you out the game? Because they have so much bacteria in their mouth. Yep, even they scratches. bite down into you that it can cause nerve scratches yeah. because think about it they're digging around in feces and stuff like that in the litter boxes that it can cause um a bacterial infection that goes directly to your heart it can mess up your nerves um it could be look like you could actually have necrotic bites where portions of your muscle have to be removed mm-hmm. okay guys when you're trying to find a cat groomer, please have some, even with dogs, but guys, have some respect and please give them credit because that is that is to risk it all, their livelihood, to groom your cat. Get your cat on a regular schedule. Get your dog on a regular schedule and make every like make it enjoyable for everyone in the process. Um, but kudos to you guys that do cats out there, man. I'll do cat nails, but I am not grooming a cat. Nope. <laughs> Nope. There's also a certification process for cats, it's the uh, yeah. CFMG, so it's a Certified Master Feline Groomer, I think, I think that's what it's called. But yeah, they have a whole certification class um, similar to um, some of the other, like IPG and uh, NDGAA, so you can do solely just cats if that's what you're interested. Yeah. And it's a really niche uh, industry if there are groomers who are looking to get into doing cats or I mean, really, like Sarah said, she has no interest in doing cats. It's just a risk that she's not willing to take. And that's 80% of groomers. So if you think it's hard to get in with a dog groomer, you know, try to get in with a really good cat groomer. Yeah, seriously. Um, so now you know, Ramil. And, yeah. and for you guys out there listening, now you know. If you didn't know, now you know. That's why I was always scared of cats jumping on me. Jimmy. Oh my god, you're such a chicken. Jimmy, this is why I wouldn't let your cat jump on me that day. Oh, stop. <laughs> the fluffy cat. Oh man. So, uh, we have another topic, topic um uh, topic 2, we have the expectations in just one visit for a certain style or for a complete de-shed and comfortability for the dogs. So, yeah, I think I'll we touched say- on it a little. A little bit. We did. We did. Um, and I want to kind of finish up on it because we didn't touch on the, um, you know, okay. So I have a lot of clients that come in because they've seen our Instagram and they're like, oh my God, I saw this haircut and I love it. And I really would like this haircut. Um, or they come in with a breed and it's not even, it looks like it's groomed like a, like a mixed breed, like just not even close to a breed standard trim. 
even though it's a pet and they want, let's say for instance, a Bichon. They have a Bichon. This Bichon does not look like a Bichon. It has long poodle ears. It has, it just doesn't make any sense. Um, and they want a true Bichon trim, even though it's a pet. They want a, their Bichon to look like a Bichon. So mm-hmm. it doesn't happen in one visit. As good as you can be, <laughs> we have to grow out hair in certain places that may have been taken. We have to um, do all sorts of things. We have to condition the coat because products matter. And if they've been going somewhere where the products aren't that great, you know, we have to strip those those products out and then start with our products. And this takes time. You cannot, I mean, we obviously will do our thing in one visit, but don't expect perfection in the first, second, third, or fourth visit. Sometimes growing out a dog in certain spots takes up to six months, maybe even longer, depending on how short or how messed up it it, it, it was. I had a Shih Tzu come in, the face was completely shaved, like uneven and everything, but she really wanted a full round um, Shih Tzu face with more of like the beard. So that took quite a while. It took, I said, this will probably take six months. And it took six months. And she recognized, she even said to me that day, hey, you know, it took six months, like you said, but we got it finally. And had she given up on, you know, believing that that would be, we would we would be able to achieve that if she didn't have faith in the process and trust the process then she could have left and went somewhere else and still never been able to achieve that so you have to try and trust the process you know it takes time to get coat in condition and nourished and the skin back to where it should be and coat grown in places i've seen haircuts where coat needs to be was taken and coat that didn't need to be there was left really long so it's sometimes when we take away that that coat that was there and we don't have the the growth where we want it it doesn't quite look right just yet but that takes time and also communicating with your client and um, communicating with your groomer guys sit down have a conversation take the time find out what it is the client wants and if it's achievable explain this may take some time or I get clients in all the time and they think they have an idea of what they want and it they get it done and maybe it wasn't the idea you know maybe they were they thought that's what they wanted and they really didn't communicating to your to your groomer and saying hey you know what i re- i know that i asked for that but i really didn't like it can we try this or can we try something else or you know communication stop bouncing from groomer to groomer trying to get this perfect trim if you can sit down and talk with your groomer and they're comfortable with getting that trim sometimes groomers aren't able to do certain trims and that is okay the groomer, you guys as groomers should be honest with your clients. Say, hey, you know what? I'm not really good in that area. Maybe I can recommend so-and-so to you. Um, and, and, and that goes all the way around. Just be honest with the clients and clients show communication with your groomer as well. Don't, don't, you don't have to be rude. You're not going to hurt our feelings. Just communicate with us and tell us exactly what you're looking for. And pictures are worth a thousand words, but sometimes the pictures clients show are unrealistic you can't show a maltese picture okay to your groomer and you have a pomeranian that doesn't even make sense i was gonna say can i touch on one thing with that yes (laughs) (laughs) okay and y'all okay (laughs) all of my doodle clients that might be listening to this i say this with all the love in the entire world but don't give your groomers the diagram that shows us how to groom a doodle nine times out of (laughs) Nine times out of ten, nine times out of ten, it's usually a dog that is, I could clearly see it is matted in the photo. Mm -hmm. It's not the same hair texture as your dog. 
and it's not reasonable for your lifestyle. Correct. Yeah. So I love you all. It's all the respect and love, but yeah, we want you. really, really have to manage expectations with yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, and it, it's it's hard. The same thing to be said with like whenever I get a client that wants an Asian fusion, I was just telling Sarah. Oh, but I okay. With the little red bow, I oh, get that yeah. like all of the time, and it's you know again a dog that doesn't have the same hair texture, mm-hmm. that they can't come in every two to three weeks. They're looking at a you know six to eight week schedule. Like it's managing those those expectations up front, mm-hmm. but trying. And they to, don't know. They just they like oh that dog is adorable, and they don't know right. that it gets groomed once a week. Like that's why right. it looks like that. Right. You know, you it's just have to open communication. Right. I mean, the fact is, like, you know, we may be very good at our thing, what we do, but I know for a fact I'm not Jesus. I can't make miracles happen. Mm-hmm. Completely change. I can't put hair where there's not hair. Exactly. Yeah. But true. yeah, that's the only thing. Sorry. Love you, doodle people, though. Hugs and kisses. <laughs> I mean, this is with with I think a lot of people get um, these mixed breeds, and I love mixed breeds. I love all dogs. Um, but a lot of people get these mixed breeds, cockapoo, cavapoo, Bichon poo, shih tzu poodle, all these breeds. And you're mixing two of the most high maintenance breeds into one and then don't want to get your dog groomed. But every eight weeks, that's not realistic. And especially because you want it fluffy and cute and, and, right. and either a natural shape, or different. Yeah. Like, I mean, it just, it, it, it doesn't make any sense. So you know, try to research the dogs you get. If you don't want to pay for grooming, get a low-maintenance breed. Um, and be realistic with yourself because it's not the groomer's fault that you got a breed that's high-maintenance and you want a high-maintenance trim um, and, and you don't want to pay for it. Okay. Please do your research on that part for sure. Do your own research. If the breeder tells you it's a, not a high-maintenance dog, please double-check them. Please right. ask around. Yeah. There are tons of breed groups on Facebook. Join the breed group on Facebook and for three months, six months, and see what that looks like, how people who actually live with these dogs every day deal with it, what issues they have coat-wise, behavior-wise. I mean, that goes for any kind of – doesn't matter if you're getting a short-haired dog or a long-haired dog. Be prepared for what kind of dog you plan on getting and right. make sure and that it fits in with what you're prepared to pay for and what you're prepared to commit to. Yes, and, and you know, the AKC website – um, is amazing because it tells you a lot about this specific breed and their grooming and so forth and so on. And if you're getting a mixed breed, you can look at both breeds on the AKC website and see what you're getting yourself into because you can look at both and say, okay, both of these breeds are high maintenance as far as grooming goes and maybe activity-wise and so forth and so on. So that's another tool to use um, if you're looking for a specific dog. Just quick tidbit there. Um, the but AKC I- website's also, they have a a breed, um, uh, I forget what it's called, but you can go in and basically punch in, you know, what you're looking for in a dog, and then it will recommend oh, breeds okay. for you. Oh, yeah, that's really nice. Like, it had a yeah, so you can, I'm like, no, 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 but like you can put in, you know, I want a low maintenance dog who, you know, has a relaxed personality, or, you know, I go hiking all the time, so I want a dog, you know, who has stamina and, and isn't afraid to be active, you know, but, and I, you don't mind a little brush in and a bath, you know, once a month or whatever, and it'll recommend, you know, dogs based on what you know that you can handle yeah 
Yeah. Well, and you know, we're all guilty of that. I mean, it's literally how I ended up with my Aussie. I, you know, I want to <laughs> hike, I want to lose weight. I'm going to be super active. And meanwhile, I'm still fat and he's crazy. So. Oh my God, stop. <laughs> stop. I almost said Aussie. And I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> um, I know what it is. I know my truth. <laughs> so guys, let's get into puppies. Oh, darn, darn, darn. Puppies. Oh. Puppies are so cute. They always tell me seem to have a love-hate relationship with puppies. I oh, love puppies. I, I love them. I love them, but I had, I remember I had, in the beginning of starting working for this company, um, they had like a cheaper price for puppies that was, it just boggled my brain because I knew in my head that dog is going to need more time, no matter what mm-hmm. happens. Because it's well, that's be a managing expectations work. topic, too, because, you know, I, especially mobile, because it's a higher price point, people go, you know, why well, have an, an eight-week-old or a 12-week-old puppy? Mm-hmm. You know, is there a discount for puppies? And at first, I did do that. And then right. what I, I found... Yeah, because you're like, oh, yeah, you know, he's only this, you know, a teeny tiny little puppy. How long can he take? And then you get in there. <laughs> Even longer than another. Expect, you know, they expect a full haircut the first appointment. And you're trying to do whatever you can do to please the client because you want them to be return customers. And it's just it's just not realistic. So, um, you know, I always tell people that there is no discount for a puppy's first appointment or their first six months or whatever because – what I'm not cutting off of the dog, I'm teaching the dog. Correct. So you're paying for me to train your dog how to be a good groom dog on my table so he's safe, so I don't have to worry about him trying to fall off the table or bite my tools or jump out of the bathtub. And, you know, you go slower with puppies. So, you know, where I might be able to get a Shih Tzu done an adult, uh, you know, in an hour, hour and 15 minutes, it still might take me 40, 45 minutes to get your puppy's paw pads done in a bath. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, you, you can't rushing the puppy through their very first couple of grooms really is detrimental to how they react to grooming for the rest of their life. Oh my God. I have I to agree. say something like, have you guys seen, okay. Uh, even if you haven't seen it, you know those little dogs that they sell at the mall or the flea yeah, market. Yeah, the wiggle, 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 wiggle. Yeah, they like they like bark really high pitch and they ha- and they yeah. like they like jump and they flip and they like move constantly. Well, if you don't know, look it up. But they're like these little toys for kids, and that is like how it is grooming a puppy. They're constantly say, a moving. There's like that out there somewhere. There yeah. is. It's a little video. Um, the, little, it's, the little dog that does the flips backwards on the grooming table. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's funny. It's like grooming a puppy. And she's it's, like trying to scissor around the dog and it's moving and jumping. <laughs> it's ri- Yeah. It's, it's so, it's, it's hard. It's hard. And puppies just going is an experience for them. Mm-hmm. Like smelling all the things and like, like desensitizing them just to the environment. Okay, is is a lot of work for a puppy. Um, so you know, Ramil, you work with a lot of puppies. You do a lot of puppies. I do work with a lot of puppies. Me personally, I don't have expectations for puppies because they're different from, from pup to pup. I've seen some puppies as scared as Piglet, and I've seen <laughs> some dogs as tough as Thanos. It just depends. Yes, oh and, God, and that's a great reference. Yeah, and you know, it's funny because. Um, we will, and, and this is exactly what I explain to clients. 
I don't, I don't always have a hard set rule where the first time I see a dog or puppy rather, it's only going to get its face feet you know, and sanitary done. I don't know because some puppies come in and they are so brave and they are so well distinguished that they're just like, do whatever, paint me like you're pretty, you know? So it's like, paint me like one of your French girls, Jack. That's right. That's exactly like, just do it. I just will stand here and be so good, you know? And then Mm -hmm. other puppies are super scared and they can't handle all of that in one visit. So I always say, we'll see what we can do. If I can do a full haircut, what are you looking for? If I, if, if I can't, this is what we'll do. Um, you know, and so it's, it varies from every every single puppy. It's different. Um, right, but and I also will, the client needs to understand that price doesn't change, though, because they didn't get a haircut. Right, correct. No, price you know, does not change. Let's talk about that. Well, if you're only trimming the feet and the face and the sanitary, how come I'm paying a full-grown price? Well, because we are training your puppy to get to get into grooming it's so even if let's take out that element we're training your dog okay we train all dogs so at the end of the day it's always going to be work for us but what we're doing is we're taking a lot more time and extra extra you know um what's the word i'm looking for like we're doing more we're using more energy to make this yes and to make this this dog's puppies experience good okay Mm -hmm. and nails alone for a puppy good grief okay Mm -hmm. have you ever taken your kid your toddler to the dentist by a chihuahua puppy (laughs) (laughs) it's a lot so we're 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 taking if not the same amount of time on a full haircut it's this we're we're doing more time and so really what you're paying for is the time our expertise our skill level our certifications our qualifications our credentials our um products are being you know we don't use cheaper products on a puppy so no we're not discounting our price for work whether it's being used utilized for an all-over haircut or being utilized in our energy process so there's a lot that goes into that and i hope that makes sense to you guys that are clients out there understanding where we're coming from with that because puppies whoo they're a lot well and from the mobile perspective you know it still costs me the same amount of gas to get there Mm-hmm. It still costs me the same amount of time. Like, where in, in an appointment, if I need to hit a, a minimum number just to leave the driveway, you know, leave the parking lot, wherever you have your van parked, it, that doesn't change because the dog is a puppy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Correct. So you still have to add keep those things in mind. Right. I right. try to explain it as, um, I mean, it doesn't, mobile or a salon, uh, an appointment costs this much. So mm-hmm. you're paying for my time. Um, there was a thing going around for a while and it was like, you know, oh, why you got quoted to do a job and it only took 20 minutes. And it's like, oh, well, I'm going to, why should I have to pay more? It only took you 20 minutes. Okay. Well, it took me 10 years right. to be able to do this job in 20 minutes. And that's why yes. it costs the price that it costs. Right. So you're, you know, doesn't matter what's actually the end product is because that is all based on, on how the puppy does its first couple of appointments. But the price is still the same because you're paying for my time to work with your puppy. Also mobile service is a convenience. That's a luxury service. 
Well, that's the that's where the price point would be higher. But like Sarah's appointment for a puppy and my appointment for a puppy might take the same amount of time. So mm -hmm. where even though my price point would be higher than Sarah's just because I'm a mobile doesn't mean that it, her service is any less of a value just because it might not cost as much as mine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, the other thing, you know what I want to say about this is that, you know, when when... If you, this is to the clients out there, you, if you've worked a job for 10 years and it was your passion and this is what you, you, you spent money on educating yourself for your passion, your job, whatever the case may be, you spent all of this time and you've, you know what, now you can do that said work in less time than it took you 10 years ago when you were learning. Don't you think that you should be paid for your time and your expertise? Please understand that when you go to a groomer and you say, <laughs> Uh, this price is outrageous or I can't justify this or I can't I don't I can't believe you're charging this much money you're first of all when you're speaking to an actual person you're speaking to them on the money that they are making which is incredibly disrespectful no one comes to your job and does that to you so please keep that in mind when you're speaking to um, a service any person in the service industry but also remember that if you're talking to a business owner this we business owners have more than just the income that's coming in we have bills to pay just to be in business so when you're saying that you're not only saying uh -huh. hey i don't think it's worth it hey i don't think you should be in business because it's incredibly expensive to be in business. And just to be around is, is cost us. We don't get to just be here for free. We have to pay to be here and to provide this service to you. We have to pay for that. So keep all of that in mind. We have, we have livelihoods. We have families we would like to take care of. We would like to live comfortably. So just keep that in mind when you're trying to get something for cheaper or you know you know oh I can't believe it's that much there is a reason we are really not trying to gouge you trust and believe groomers mm -hmm. have been unpaid I, and I say unpaid okay underpaid I know that I'm gonna say it again unpaid because there are times where we have cost it's cost us business it's cost the business to groom a dog because we are so underpriced. Mm -hmm. So that may have sounded incorrectly, but it was not. Because there are times where we may not charge enough to cover our cost based on the condition of the dog or because we thought we were trying to be fair to everyone. We have to be fair to our business and our families as well. So we, we really want to be here for you guys and offer the service. And I know this is kind of a little tangent on the side here, but that kind of goes into asking, well, isn't it cheaper because you you're not doing fair. a full we haircut? Off on tangents. <laughs> God help me. I love you. <laughs> I mean, but, but seriously, I, and, and that's with like all due respect, everyone just kind of see it from everybody's perspective. That's what this is for, for everyone to see each other's perspective. I see things from the client's perspective, perspective too. We're saying the same thing. You know what I mean? So if, if a client says, oh, I, that's not really in my budget. I get it. I understand. Maybe someone else is suited for you. I, I would hate to see any client go. But what my point is, the business has a budget too. And the business has to make what it has to make just to be in business. And groomers 
that are employees at places that are businesses, they have to be paid too appropriately. So all of that takes things, you know, no, we don't do anything discounted. And our prices are what they are because that's what we're valued at. So, yeah, there's that. Sorry I had Mm -hmm. to do it. (laughs) Well, to link that all back together, we never uh, talked about matting um, on uh, dogs that are overdue and why you should charge extra for dogs that are matted. And you will get people who argue, and they're like, well, you're just shaving my dog down. I don't understand why it costs extra. I love this. Yes, but (laughs) before we we get into that, I want to finish up on the puppies really quick. Because that's a whole topic. I just did a live um, with, with Nadia with this about this situation in my policies regarding this this whole topic. Um, but before we do that, a lot of questions I get is, when can I bring my puppy in? How, what's too soon to bring my puppy in? So um, I believe that they can get all of their vaccines, excluding rabies, between 10 and 12 weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if they've had all of those vaccines you know, to protect them from the environment of which they're going in because they're so young. Um, I believe that you could take the dog in at that point because I don't believe you're going to catch rabies at a grooming salon. Um, but but neither here nor said if you want to wait until you have your rabies vaccine for your dog, then they say 16 to 18 weeks. Um, so it's really, you know, it's subject. I guess, right? I also think, isn't it a different states have different rules on it um, as far as what services can be provided before rabies shot is done? I'm not sure. Yeah, I would have, have to, to look into that. Uh, I'm yeah. in Delaware, and they don't they don't have a limit on that. Right. I Just know for, you have to have a, a rabies shot to be entered into a, a facility, but I think there's a you know, there's a, a leeway for puppies up until, you know, six months old or something. Mm-hmm. Right. I know for, for me personally, it's not a risk I'm willing to take because I don't want to go through the treatment of, of it or being no. suspected of it because I've been bit by a cat that didn't provide rabies once. Mm. And that process is awful. Mm-hmm. So quite honestly, I am not willing, me personally, I'm not going to work on an animal unless it has an updated rabies. That's right. Me. And to each is their own. And, and the same with the clients. You know, it's it's up to you whether you feel comfortable or not bringing your dog in without their rabies if they're too... Because you can't give rabies too early to a puppy. So you can't rush right, that process. Minimum. So, um, so we're going to say that 10 to 12 weeks they can have all of their vaccines done, excluding the rabies and their second booster shot to that DHPP mm-hmm. vaccine. So at that point, it's up to you. 10 to 12 or 16 to 18 weeks when they get their rabies and their second booster. But please, guys, try not to wait past 18 weeks because that's just, you know, you're starting way too late. Bringing a Mm six-month-old puppy in and expecting us to work magic is unrealistic. It just is because, and we use this word a lot in this episode, unrealistic, because this is all the things. It's unrealistic for for your, you to bring in a six, you know, six months, and it's never, ever, ever, ever touched by a groomer or anything and expect it to be a good process because it's not. So now we can get into the topic Aaron had brought yeah, up. Yeah, it's, um, it's tough. Like I, like I said yes. before, people will argue with you about the price and, and they're like, you know, well, 
you're only going to shave my dog down. So I don't understand why it costs so much extra money to have my dog groomed. Um, and what I would, what I normally tell people why there's an extra charge is because your dog is getting two haircuts. Yep. Um, I'm going to take all of the old, uh, Say that again for the people in the back. Yeah, it's two haircuts. <laughs> that well, that also goes for any dog that goes over eight weeks. Yep. Um, I don't pre-shave. Um, all of my dogs are on a regular schedule, so they come in, um, and especially with COVID, they come in the van, they go right in the tub, and they get a bath, and then they get blow-dried, and then we do the whole entire haircut after that process is over. So mm -hmm. if the dog has tons of coat, I'm not going to waste product and blow-drying time on coat that we're not keeping anyway, especially right. if it's already dirty, and it's already matted, and you can't get to the skin because of the condition of the coat. So the first haircut is now a dirty matted haircut um so it's going to cause more damage on my blades and equipment because of all the dirt and dander that i'm cutting through because the dog's not bathed first and then you're going once all that coat is removed safely because you don't want to rush through that because skin and especially places like the tuck up and the armpit um, can get caught in mats especially high friction areas um, and then it's going to get clean and then it's going to get blow dried. And then you're going to find all of these little sticky outy pieces because the dog was matted in different lengths and different places. And now it's going to get its second haircut. So it looks presentable to leave. So you're paying for two haircuts and the extra wear and tear on my equipment now that has to get sharpened sooner than it originally would have. Well, and then you get the people that are like, well, I don't understand why you have to cut them down first. Why can't you just wash them, you know, and do a wet shave or blah, blah, blah. There's no guarantee that me washing a matted dog is going to clean that dog's skin properly. So either way, I'm going to have to end up doing a second bath or a second clip. So you're getting two treatments no matter what. Yeah, the best course of action for the dog is to remove all of the dirty, damaged coat so we can get one bath and one blow dry and right. then get a haircut. There's no reason to put the dog in the tub and blow dry it and then shave the dog and then put it back in the tub. It's just that's a stressful process to begin with because the dog hasn't been in for months and his, he's uncomfortable. And now, you know, uh, and then you get um, the dogs can get bruising that comes well, to the surface sometimes right away because the hair is so tight on them. Mm -hmm. I mean, and let's be realistic as well. If someone, you know, let's say they brought a doodle in. Um, hasn't been groomed in, in four months and it's completely matted to the skin. We shave it down then they don't show up again for another six months, you know, and then complain, well, the reason I didn't bring it back was the price was so high. Listen, you got a discount. Mm -hmm. You got a discount. You were not grooming your dog on a regular schedule. So really you were getting this on the cheap if you don't come to me, but every six months. Yeah. If my four-week clients and my six-week clients are paying way more in grooming than somebody right. who tries to bring their dog in, even right. three times a year. Right. And that's just, you know, and people will say, you know, oh, COVID, oh, the, and even before COVID, oh, you know, life, this happened, somebody died, I, you know, couldn't take care of. That's all fine and good, but it doesn't, it still doesn't change the result in that your dog is matted and we have to do a process to get it back to a healthy condition. That's crazy. Right. And we understand life happens. Um, 
you know, but we still should be able to charge for the work that we are actually doing um, and the great quality products that we're using to do um, what needs to be done to get them back into condition. And, you know, um, I will say this, you know, sometimes I think that clients wonder, you know, well, I've brushed and I've combed the dog, you know, in this eight week, 10 10 week period of time, which is great, to be honest, that's great maintenance. Eight weeks of coat growth requires more work all the way around. For one, it's more time in the tub, more product, more water. Then we move on to the drying time. It takes more electricity, more drying, drying time. So we have maintenance on our dryers as well. After so many hours, we have to send it off, get it repaired and so forth. So that costs money as well. So those hours add up for us as expense. But not to mention resetting our pattern. And what I mean by that is if we have a specific haircut that we give your dog and you wait eight weeks, that pattern is gone. It's like redoing or not redoing. That's not the word doing a new client because the pattern is gone we no longer can maintain the haircut we have to redo the haircut set it all in like it's brand new so that requires more work new clients always take longer so um i just wanted to touch on that because you know just because it's not mad it doesn't mean it's not more work for us um and that's why we have extra fees for those type of things so yeah boom well let's be (laughs) honest when people are like you know I brush and comb it every day. It's not like they're line brushing the dog out every single day. You know, I have the same, you know, I keep Kingston pretty long right now because of trying to do contests and all that fun stuff. And people see him and be like, oh, you know, well, how often do you groom him? I'm like, he gets a bath weekly or biweekly, you know, especially with it being rainy and snowy out right now. Mm -hmm. that's, That's the maintenance that's required to keep you know, four or five, six inches of coat on your dog. And if that's what you're expecting in your doodle, then I need to be able to bathe and brush out that dog, or you need to be able to bathe and brush out that dog completely every two to three weeks. (laughs) Well, and here's the thing. I know a lot of groomers will disagree with me on this opinion I have, but I, I just don't believe that dogs should, you know, here's the thing. I say that wrong. I don't believe that clients should or have to um, maintain their dog at a certain level uh, with brushing and combing. Because at the end of the day, even if they brush and comb every single day, unless they are trained, we, like, we're professionals. Guys, it takes an assistant, in my opinion, to be trained properly for a year before they understand all the coat types and what tools to use on different coat types. And especially when you have all these mixed breeds, what tools to use and how to use them. I mean, you still work with assistants that do the brushing and the combing, but may not have gotten through with the comb as properly as it should have. Same thing with pet pet clients. You know, um, these these folks don't sit around and know how to b- brush and comb properly on their dog, especially with it being dirty and brushing and combing. It's one thing to brush and comb through a clean coat and then a dirty coat. And they don't have the tools to 
wash blow dry properly if they've got a lot of coat on them and so forth and so on unless they are trained to do so so expecting them to maintain that type of coat is unrealistic in my opinion and that's why i would say to the client if i have to if this dog needs that much maintenance then hey you might want to jump on our fluff and puff membership where you can get unlimited baths per month and let us take care of it for you or we tighten up the schedule where they're coming in once a week or every two weeks and we're doing what we need to do because it is a lot to ask a client with a busy life maybe kids lots of things going on to focus on you know properly it's one thing to sit down and do it but to properly do it is a whole nother that's a whole nother ball game in my opinion and and I'm just being that's just me thinking as the client well, and I, I, I think we were talking about talking about this as like a kind of a last topic thing, but it goes back to our expectations of, of for them too. It's just that it also kind of meshes in with our timeline. I agree with you to a certain extent, to an extent. I still think you should be brushing your dog at home. And do yeah, I expect if you want to be any kind of coat on the dog? It yeah. needs to be brushed. So it's it shouldn't be a us versus them situation. We're supposed to be in this together. So you need to come to me and I need to come to you with the same level of respect. Right. Yep. Does anybody else want to touch on groomers having too much of an expectation for clients? Aaron, do you have anything? No, I think we covered everything. Yeah, I think, (laughs) I think we've covered about everything and like, let's not get it twisted. I love my clients. You know, I love, we all do. You know, we all do. We just don't want their us by us having this conversation is trying to clear the air on where we are coming from. Right. To hopefully yeah, move forward exactly. and do better. Yeah, for the dog. Mm-hmm. You know? And for each other. We're all human beings in this world. Mm-hmm. We all deserve respect. We all deserve good things for each other. You know, and and we obviously are in this career because we care. <laughs> I mean, our job is not easy. It is not easy by any stretch. It is physically, emotionally exhausting. And I know that we all, we enjoy it. Um, but it is exhausting. And, you know, a lot of the the add-ons of the job dealing with certain situations or you know, communication between clients gets us kind of like in a fuzzy because we're like, oh my God, how can you not understand this? But we've not had the conversation. So let's have that conversation. That's what this is for. Us to have this conversation and hopefully you understand some of the things that make us do the things that we have to do. Like charge more for a certain situation or ask you to come in on a regular schedule, you know? It's not all because we want to make money. Of course, we are we we have to make money in order to live in this world. So of course, this is our livelihood. But it's all plays in a part for everyone to benefit: the client, the dog, the business, the groomer, and the anyone inside that grooming establishment. Those employees, and it matters. It matters, man. That's how it is. So, yeah, guys, that's the unrealistic expectations of the grooming salon. I hope that you enjoyed what we had going on, the conversation. Um, 
I hope that it was informative. I hope this is helpful to groomers and clients because that's the whole goal. I don't want the goal missed. Um, join Ramil and I here for episode three next week where our topic is not all grooming is cookie cutter. And we're going to get into that. Um, super important to me. I really want to talk about this because it goes into the treatment of dogs and how grooming is not... Um, What's the word? Cookie cutter. <laughs> um, you know, there's a lot of things I, pe- I think people miss about grooming. You know, well, how long is it going to take and how much is it? You know, we really don't know. Um, and so I, I can't wait to discuss that and get into topics. So, again, join us next week. Episode three topic is not all grooming is cookie cutter. Uh, we can't wait to have it out and we'll see you there. Thanks, Sophia and Erin, for your time and being on Plush Talk. We really appreciate it. Um, Again, we will see you on episode three. Episode three, see you there. All right, now. (laughs) Bye. Bye. If you have an idea or you want to be featured on our show, email us at plushtalk00 at gmail.com. For the latest news and episodes, follow us on Instagram at plush underscore talk. If you like this episode, tune in to our next one. Push talk.